0: Okay, everyone, go ahead and uh, regather back to your seats and open up your scriptures to 1 Peter 4, or you can grab your worship guide. Remain standing for the authority of scripture if you don't mind. When reading God's Word, we like to stand uh, out of reverence, and then also we have some participation. So in your worship guide, you're going to see in bold what we would like to say back to the Lord what is printed is chapter, uh, chapter 4, 12 and following. I'm going to actually just pick up a little earlier in, uh, in verse 11. So this is the word of the Lord. 1 Peter 4, verse 11. So whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything... God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at this fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you uh, share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because of the spirit of glory and of Christ rests on you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in his name, in that name. For it is, t- for it is time for judgment to begin With the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. And we all say, for all flesh is like grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Amen and amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. We're coming to the end of 1 Peter. And first Peter is trying to give us just some last moments before he departs. And remember, there's a couple of churches in modern age Turkey that he's trying to encourage. And he's trying to tell them the way. And, and we know that suffering has been a major theme, if not the theme, in First Peter. So these, a, a passage like this is not surprising to us. But it may have been surprising to the first century Christian. And so this morning I want to, to play a little in the, in the uh, spirit of competition. I want to play a, a little game. It's called a word association. Y'all know that. I just give you a word and you shout out whatever comes to mind first. All right. So this is crowd participation. This is not just Colin participation. So there needs to be more than just one person uh, yelling. All right. So I will share a, 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 a word and then y'all just shout out word association. You, re, you understand this? This is pretty easy. Ready? All right. So fiery trial. Again, Colin is the only person that, sh- that said something out loud. All right, let's do this again. <clears throat> All right, so there's, we're going to start off with a game. It's called word association. And so what happens is I'll share a word with you or a phrase, and you share whatever comes to mind uh, just right away. Okay, it's called word association. Here we go. Ready? Fiery trial. Good. Good, you engaged. Go. All right, okay. Next, testing. Somebody said. Somebody said parenting. (laughs) All right, suffering. Did you say perishing? Oh, parenting. And now, now we're secretly suffering. Thoughts (laughs) in here. It's your own words. You don't have to use other people's words. Parenting. Um, So, all right, insulted. Good. Lastly, judgment. Good. Okay. So you and I, we want to avoid these words pretty much at all costs, right? Uh, if you and I had it our way, we would just live in a life of bliss and comfort and ease where we will avoid suffering and discomfort and words like these almost at any cost whatsoever that's the reason that you bought a mr. Shoals insert and put it in your shoe right for more comfort that's the reason you have an air conditioner potentially in that attic that you finished out right and it is hotter than sixteen suns right under there that's the reason you have in it that's the reason that you call the city and was like there's a pothole in my road, and I want you to f-, because you just you hit it every time that's the reason that and you just fill in the blank. So whatever happens of part of discomfort and frustration, right, you want to do something to eliminate that because what you're doing is you want to drift toward ease or drift toward comfort because we seek comfort almost at all costs. And we try to avoid suffering at all costs. And that's the main idea for today is this exchange between your heart and the world, right? And part of that exchange is comfort over suffering, comfort over grief, or, or yeah, comfort over suffering. That's what we do. Somebody said that this may be uh, the, one of the most radical passages in the New Testament text. Because what it does for us is it defines Christianity in a new way. Because what Peter is doing is he's challenging the church. He's challenging people who are following Jesus to really say, yes, you call yourself a Christian, but do you follow Jesus? And he puts a standard that is almost impossible for you and I to hand. What he's giving you is a new normal. What Christianity should look like and what that should look like, that new definition, that new, new normal is to look at Jesus, to see his footsteps, and to literally follow after him. That may not look radical, or, or listen, sound radical, unless you put some of these words into what it means to follow Jesus well. Are we you willing, right, to walk like Jesus? And to follow after Jesus. Now don't, be, don't say yes too quickly. Because the way of Jesus is actually, looks more like those other words. And it actually looks more like discomfort and suffering than even comfort. So now are you willing to follow after Jesus? To follow in his footsteps? Peter goes on a step further. Are you willing to do that? And are you preparing yourself to be able to engage that kind of worldview altogether? Because this morning we're going to try to give you what's like a, a textbook on what it means to suffer and to suffer well. We've seen Jesus in 1 Peter so far in a couple of contexts. First and foremost, we see him in the past, what he is able to do for us on the cross and what he has done through his incarnation and his suffering and his obedience. We've seen that and it's wonderful and it's good and we draw great devotion over he willingly engaged the cross. And the reason that I went all the way up to verse 11 is because we've seen future tense Jesus, where he is literally sitting to the right hand of the Father, and all dominion has been given to him, right? That is what is happening, is that all things, right, are put underneath his, his feet. And so now he's. We're, what we're trying to do is to look more present tense. How does the past reality of Jesus and the future, like full dominion over all things, how does that impact you and I today, now, present tense? And that's what this passage is. It's more present tense how you and I deal with daily trials, daily sufferings than almost anything else. And what this passage says is that now, brothers, we don't want you to be surprised. We don't want you to be caught off guard. Because it didn't t- take Jesus off guard. It shouldn't take us off and so here we have, right? This idea that Jesus Christ is this this just the preeminent Figure in all of scriptures, that in, that in everything, that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ and that in him all glory and dominion are forever. Amen. And this is this great doxology in what we see Jesus and what he's done for us. And then Peter switches immediately and he goes from what, what Jesus Christ has done and is doing. And then look at those pronouns. He then includes people like you and me. And so where the arc of what Jesus Christ has done for us and what he is currently doing, he is now drawing the same arc in a second person pronoun that you are going to engage in a similar arc. Are you willing to follow Jesus? That's what Peter is asking. In obedience, are you willing to follow Jesus? Because when it comes upon you, right, when this test comes upon you, although it may be strange, it's happening to you, but rejoice in as far as you share in whose Christ, in Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad in his glory that is to be revealed. You see what's happening? In the same way that Christ has suffered And then is glorified in the same way. You suffer and then you are glorified. But you and I, we will walk away from pain and suffering to hold on to comfort at almost any cost. Again, this is a textbook on what to do or how to suffer well. And the answer key at the end of the book is to simply do as Jesus has done and to find that little phrase, but rejoice in as far as you share Christ's sufferings. That's present tense. That's right now, in your life, right now. And this is why Peter uses the word Christian. He goes from Christ's example Remember in 2, 21, following Christ's example. And now he uses the word Christian, Christian. Christian is simply a, another word for a little Christ, to emulate or imitate who Christ is. And so if you call yourself a Christian, what he, Peter is saying is now you are going to share Christ's. If you're going to follow Jesus, then you are going to have a life that looks like his. Somehow Jesus understood that his eternal glory could be established only by the suffering on the cross. The only way that, that glory was going to be his is through this conduit of suffering. And he was not surprised by this, so he stepped into it. He did not think it strange and what Peter is trying to tell us today is there must come a time in your life when you realize the same principle, second person pronoun, the same principle must apply to you. That glory cannot be gained in the other way than through the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. You have to come to grips at some point in your life that the same principle applies to you, that glory cannot be gained any other way. And so that's why in this passage, we're gonna look at the knots. right? Do not do this, do not do this, do not do this. We're gonna only have three points this morning. Do not be surprised, right? Do not be ashamed, right? And glory cannot be gained any other way. Those are the three points for it this morning. All right, so number one, 12 through 14, do not be surprised. Now, brothers, Beloved, do not be surprised when uh, fiery trials, when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Do not be surprised. Do not think that it is strange. This is what he's saying. You can't be surprised by this, right? It can't be an oddball. Surprised and strange are words that are out of the ordinary, right? You only have a couple of surprise parties, In your life, right? If you had a surprise party every single day, it would neither be a party nor it would be surprising, right? It has to be out of the ordinary. Um, My family's strange uh, in that when things shock us, right, our bodies rebel against us. So I faint, literally, and my sister pees, she just puddles right there on the floor. Like she, we're in our mid-40s, right? She's still peeing. I'm still fainting. I don't know how it is, but our body in full revolt over the conscience world, right? Our bodies can't handle it, right? We're built for glory, I guess. Um, so um, do, these, are, these are words out of the ordinary, right? So this is what we do. Two words, weird, strange, surprising, da-da-da. These are all words that means that you should, things that you should, that you would not expect. And so the challenge this morning is, is it possible that you're not looking at the world around you in a biblical way? Dear brothers and sisters, do not be surprised at the fiery trials. How surprised are you every time a trial comes your way? So the challenge this morning is, if you are continually surprised, or like caught off guard, like where did that come from, right? Then we need to look at 1 Peter 4 even stronger. Because if we're looking at your life in a biblical way, then you have to see who you are and who God is and the purpose of life and how God has intricately connected the idea of suffering and your glory together. Let us not be surprised. And what should we not be surprised by? This idea of a fiery trial. Peter opens with this, with this um, idea in 1.6. He says this, right, this idea. That in this rejoice, though now for a, a little while, if necessary, when you have been grieved by what? Various trials. This is an idea that he is carrying all the way through. What does he mean by this trial? Way back in, you know, in the early semester, we said these ideas of trials can either be this idea of a simple lack of provision. So you blame God, right? Lord, you haven't provided for the way that I thought or the lack of protection or even in a societal sense, the lack of position. That's what we've seen. There also, a a fiery trial can be a season of life when you are a recipient of a verbal, maybe even a physical attack because you follow Jesus. That's what it means to have a, a, a fiery trial. The idea that there are dark moments, uncomfortable moments in our life. But is it possible that you're not living in a biblical way because when these trials come your way or land in your lap, that you're continually to be surprised? In the end, anyone who takes up the name of Jesus will know that trials are inevitable. Anyone who takes up the name of Jesus must come to the idea and a worldview that trials are inevitable. Peter doesn't want you to be surprised this morning. He doesn't want you to be caught off guard this morning. He wants you to hear the warning, to understand reality, right? And to engage it, to willingly to walk toward it because out of obedience, we're walking the path of Jesus. You and I should expect difficulty. We shouldn't be surprised by it. We couldn't think that it was strange. We should understand that the gospel to the degree that at the very center of Christianity is what we see in Jesus' life. is just this downward trajectory towards suffering. That's why chapter 4 verse 13 tells us that we are going to share in Christ's sufferings. That's why in 221 we hear that we should follow in Jesus' sufferings. Over and over and over we look at the map of Jesus' life and we emulate him. So how uncomfortable are you right now? how comfortable are you to call yourself a christian as this passage has called us christian to follow in his sufferings and this will be our witness brothers and sisters this will be our witness In the same way that we honor an emperor and we honor a a, a boss or we honor a spouse. In the same way that we do not revile as we've been reviled or insult as we have been insult, but instead we bless. In the same way that we love one another like we heard last week, this will be our witness to the world. In the same way, the witness to the world is how you and I are not caught off guard, where we are not surprised by the trials that land in your lap. Oftentimes we shake our fists at the Lord as if he has abandoned us in our trials. We must grow in our understanding of what God is actually about, how he is working, how he is sending the gospel message to us over and over and over. Because his plan that includes the struggle in this fallen fallen world, his goal is not for us to escape the terror, to escape the suffering, to, to disengage from all of reality, but in fact to engage in the pain that's around us. So brothers and sisters, do not think it strange. Think of it instead as being aligned with Jesus. The year 2022 has changed. A lot of things have changed the last couple of years, including how the world looks at uh, the principles that we would hold near to us. What we would understand about when life was, was formed and even our understanding of marriage and the things that we do in order to align ourselves with what scriptures say very clearly. So in the year 2022, Christianity's stance just on certain topics really are hot button issues. I don't know if you've noticed lately, but it's, it really is. What you believe and what the world is believing is, is very, very different one pastor has said that in the next 10 years it will be almost impossible for people of faith to walk, to work at the university level or at a global corporation and so why does he say that because of the world's stance on sexuality and gender is so strong right that you're gonna to have to start assigning things that look a little bit like this so in the last year, uh, we've uh, signed up for two, uh, two programs. One is just to um, keep uh, our all of our staff in line with with project management and those kinds of things. And then also, um, this is uh, Google hosts all of our, our suites. And so we are in the nonprofit world, meaning we don't have to pay taxes and those kinds of things. And so just this week, this is what came out. It says, uh, you're almost done, um, uh, for Google for nonprofits. It says, first, I want you to con- uh, confirm that you are a represent- uh, representative of this organization. Then you're able to check off the mocks. That's good. And then two, it says uh, that uh, you need to confirm that your organization does not discriminate. We don't discriminate, right? We're an organization, we're a church, right? Any, against any persons or group of people. We would totally agree with that. Or that in your hiring or in your employment, uh, practices um, that uh, you would have programs or services that, that include on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. And so we as a church, we have to ask certain questions of ourselves. Do we want a nonprofit status? This is the year 2022, right? Or do we check the box? That's just, that's where we're at. So in our statement of faith, we believe in certain things when it comes to gender and marriage and those kinds of things, right? You can read up on our stances. And so here's the push, right? right? Do you want to pay taxes or not? Do you, want to, you have all of these decisions to, to, to do certain things or not certain things? But the point of the matter is, what the world is saying to you and me or to the Scriptures is what you believe is unjust, and that actually disqualifies you from certain things. So what is a fiery trial? It's your position in society, it's your protection in society, it's your provision. Those types of things are happening over and over and over. The way that Peter is defining discomfort now is this idea that you and I are blessed. That in verse 14, that God's very presence rests on you and I. How you and I are able to engage in these various trials, actually tell you that you are blessed, that God's rest actually falls on you. So in the word association game, fiery trials, I don't know what you said, but what Peter would say immediately would be, fiery trial, blessed, blessed right? He would say something like suffering. He would say rejoice. He would say something like judgment, and he would say, you know, he would say totally different words, because words like rejoice, rejoice, be glad, be blessed, and the rest of God The actual presence of God is on you when you fall in line and follow after the ark of Jesus. In obedience, you follow him in all of your steps, which will lead you through suffering. And in your discomfort, you will meet the very presence of God. So do you want God's presence in your life? Do you want to feel him more near or the rest of God light on you like morning dew every day? is to walk in obedience, clinging to him, as, our, as we sang all of this morning, to cling to him in the middle of our trials. That's when God's rest will fall on you. God hasn't left you. It's the opposite. Just remember all of these times when we see God's very presence in the struggle of our lives. So why do we rejoice? Rejoice. Why, do we, why are we glad? Because God's very presence is near and dear to you. His very smile is upon those who are struggling in the name of Jesus. His approval, his identification with us is that's my son, that's my daughter. He, they are walking in faith. They are walking like my own son did in obedience even to death on the cross. This is his covering. This is his guardianship. This is his guiding. This is his presence. Now. Here. Now. In the middle of suffering. That's where God's very rest is on us. God intends to use difficulty for you and me. So that you and I can experience the very presence of God. You see, we think that in this suffering or in this trial that God has actually separated us from him. We think that he's more distant now than ever before. Like, why, God, have you abandoned me in my time of need? Well, 1 Peter 4 says the opposite, is that we rejoice and we are glad because God's rest is on us. His peace is on us. God's people in the middle of our trial. Whew. Who needed that this morning? My old mentor would force me to stick my hands out like this and be like, Are you going to take it or not? Right? Are you going to take it or are you just leave your hands looking like an idiot? Or are you, are you actually going to take it? Who needs to just take it this morning? God hasn't separated himself from you, He is drawing near to us. Don't be ashamed, he says, so do not, right? Um, This is our second not, right? Don't be surprised, right? The second one is don't be ashamed in verse 16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, right, let him not be ashamed. Instead, let him glorify God in that name. In the fact that you are a Christian, let him glorify God in that name. The fact that you use the brand Christian, let him glorify God in that name. So we love this idea of Christian. We love this idea of branding. We love this idea that that's, that's kind of the generic term. But now we know that Christian is actually tied to suffering. Christian is now tied to Jesus's suffering. So don't take the name now if you want to avoid suffering for Christ's sake. So this progression can't be missed. This idea that Christ suffered and then his glory and now you suffer and you get glory. From Christ's suffering to the Christian's suffering. From Christ's glory to the Christian's glory. So why does it matter? It's because Peter is telling us that our perspective on reality, like how do you look at the world? How do you look at suffering what happens when something happens really close to you, right? You, and what happens in, when you are ashamed? You run and you hide. You feel like Jesus has betrayed you, whatever. And even in Jesus' own reality, Jesus is suffering in front of him. He's being accused. And what does Peter do? He denies him, right? He denies him. It's interesting to me that the national team for uh, the country of France is a rooster. It's an awesome emblem, by the way, right? It makes you want to all be French, right? So, because they have this great logo, right? It's just this idea. And so, there's the uh, uh, a rooster. And that's because sitting a, uh, on top of the greatest uh, structure in France, in Paris, is, of course, Notre Dame. And on top of Notre Dame is the famous rooster. Because on the top of Notre Dame, and the symbolism of the rooster is hearkening back to Peter and Peter's denial of Jesus. And so an entire country is looking at this one symbol and they will say to themselves, I will never deny you. In the midst of suffering and shame, that symbol, that rooster, is a warning to our entire country that we will never deny Jesus. Now if you look at modern day France, it's made up of a country of full deniers, isn't it? Something has changed. Because when the pressure came, right, when the suffering came, they walked away, they didn't walk toward. Please do not be ashamed. Peter is talking very biographically. He knows what it means to run and hide in shame. He knows what it means to deny Jesus on the night that he needed relationship. That's what it meant, is is not to to, to shrink back, right? Not to fall back into the corner in shame. That's what happens when your kid or even your dog, you look at them the wrong way. They, They shrink back. That's what Adam and Eve did. They shrink back. And that's often what you and I do in the name of Jesus, is that you and I fall away from Jesus rather than circling back and say, no, that is what we all need, we need the, the the message of Jesus, right? But we also need messengers of Jesus. I'll never forget when I was dating Nicole. She lived in Mississippi about an hour outside of Memphis. We found ourselves on, on Bill Street and we're just walking up and down. We had barbecue and it was great and the live music was great and it just like it was colorful and light and fun and like it's obviously it was like spring break or something, every fraternity and sorority was there and they were partying and it was just it was just this loud and wild and, and fun and energetic and it was just, you know, it's an iconic street. And then when you see those crowds, oftentimes you see street preachers as well. Well, this night on the corner of one street, we had a a box and we had a preacher and he had a sign. And he simply says, you don't want to go to hell. Like, don't go to hell. And he was just just declaring the message like this, beware, beware, beware. And he gathered a few people or whatever. Well, and underneath that type of preaching and, and whatever, I shrunk away. I was like, oh. This is cringy to me, and I felt myself physically like disengaged. Like I know that I'm following Jesus, and I don't want to be associated with that kind of of just kind of like banter. This like, just just kind of this, this, the execution of the gospel message. I didn't like it at all. But something caught Nicole's eye out of curiosity or something I'm not sure but um, as he preached and as he declared she noticed that there was one of these fraternity guys a guy about our age right who looked like us whatever he had stopped and he has his 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 attention captured by this mystery preacher and for whatever reason I still don't know what it is right the compulsion of my wife is to walk toward that that boy You know, that man listening to the preacher, he tapped him on the shoulder and simply said, listen to him, and walked away. You see, my instinct was to distance myself. Her instinct was to be led by the Spirit and in that moment to actually say, maybe the discourse and how it's projecting may not be our brand right of gospel declaration but for that kid who was enraptured by whatever that man was saying something was happening in his heart and my wife encouraged him like don't be ashamed of that message don't be ashamed of Jesus just listen to him and then out of the suffering don't be ashamed don't be surprised because there's glory There's glory that is going to be yours and mine. Glory. True set apart, blazing glory. Bright noonday sun type of glory. Glory that can be ours in that name if we follow Jesus. We fight our instincts on shame. when We fight to reinforce our identity as Jesus and Jesus alone. Guess what? Your glory happens. That there's glory, that through suffering glory actually lands on the people of Jesus. So do you call after Jesus? Do you call yourself a Christian? Are you following after Jesus, even in his suffering? Because the story of this passage is that glory cannot happen in any other way, other through the ark of of suffering. So a word association. When I say fiery trial, Peter says rejoice. When I say test, Peter says rejoice. When you say hear suffering, he hears gladness, and on and on and go it goes. Because what Peter is trying to warn the Christian faith is if your worldview has us moving toward comfort and ease, you will actually dispose of the thing that will actually will make you feel more closely to Jesus than anything else in this world. The ark of Christ's suffering and glory is the same ark of our suffering and glory. And let us pray as we think about that. So King Jesus, you are firmly sitting to the right hand of the Father. And all glory and dominion is yours forever and ever. Amen. And yet you tell us that the glory, glory could also be ours if we walk the trial. We walk through sufferings. And we walk through pain and hurt. Father, forgive us now as we try to, to run away from pain. So this morning we're going to pray in two different groups. One, are you currently going through a, a, a painful, are you currently suffering? And you are, And has that suffering and has that pain caused you to doubt God's distance or presence or even love for you? Let this be a morning where you turn back to Jesus to repent and come back to Jesus. Group number two, people who are constant living, living, their entire worldview is toward comfort and ease, satisfaction. This morning, if that's you, we want you to repent and say that full rejoicing and full gladness Full glory is not in this this idea of comfort and ease, but in fact, in joining in Christ's sufferings. So two different groups of people repenting of two different things, and yet, Lord, we all repent and we say we're sorry. Forgive us now, Lord. Forgive us for doubting your presence or pursuing a worldview of ease. And we ask this, Lord, in your name. Amen and amen.